Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It is that time again. I am so glad you came back to join me this week. I got to tell you guys, it has been a great week, an outstanding week. Why has it been outstanding? You know why? Because I made an absolute fortune this week. I mean, it's ridiculous what I did this week. Absolutely ridiculous. Let me tell you more about that. So you're probably thinking, oh, we probably sold a property or sold a course. No, 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 no. Here's what I did. So several years ago, well, let's call it December, going back to December, 2014. I should have some music right there. December, 2014, December, 2014, Jill and Tyler bought a fourplex and we bought it with a VA mortgage. And not only did we not have to use any of our own money because I served my country, you're welcome for my service, but I also was able to get several people in the transaction, lenders and all these other title company, all this to participate with me, Team Sport, right, in the transaction. And I was due lender credits and, and things like that. So I was able to walk out of that closing with a check for $1,700. Now, here's the cool part. So back then, I paid, and, and I want you to keep track of the math here, I paid $220,000. That's $220,000 for that fourplex. Actually, I didn't really pay that. That's the sale and purchase agreement price. But remember, I don't pay for my properties. My tenants do. So I paid my tenants paid $220,000 for the property. Now, Jill and I have been living there ever since. Some people are thinking, I would never live in a fourplex or nor would I live with my tenants. As you punch the clock and have really no plan for retirement or worse, you've got a couple hundred grand sitting in an IRA and you're breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back because you actually have fooled yourself into thinking that you're going to retire someday. I digress. I'm not the smartest person in the room. But I did learn from Robert Kiyosaki and many others that if I buy a property and I fix it up nice and I simply hang on to it, that someday I can escape the rat race. Well, we did that, ladies and gentlemen, with our very first multifamily deal. That property, this property yields so much cash flow every month that we were able to escape the rat race just by simply closing on that property. So initially our cash flow on day one was 1800 That grew exponentially, how that grew. We'll probably cover in future podcasts. I've talked about it before, but the short, long and short of it is 
we fixed it up nice. We raised the rents. We changed how we rent it, changed two of the units over to vacation rentals and whatnot. So we've upped the income the whole nine yards. We were looking at doing a refinance. Interest rates dropped again suddenly. So we're like, well, maybe we should do a refinance. Now I got a nice VA mortgage with a good interest rate, a great interest rate at the time. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's 5% or something like that. So we got a, a good mortgage, nothing wrong. But I realized that I probably have a lot of equity because we've raised the income dramatically and people are flat out crazy buying. They'll pay anything for a property right now. They're fighting over them. So I thought, hmm, wouldn't it be interesting to see if we could do a cash out refinance? And then take that cash and go buy a couple more properties. So let's see what that looks like. So got a hold of my of my lenders and and uh, looked at some options. And we're still not done with that. We haven't closed on a mortgage yet. But let me just run you through the high points. So the appraiser came out, folks. The appraiser came out, walked around the property. He's like, wow, nice property. Your tenants must be really happy here. Yes, they are. Long story short, folks, I just got the appraisal back. Based on the income method, that appraisal was $425,000. 400, say that again, $425,000. That means we have, the value has gone up by $205,000 in two years. $205,000 in two years. They came in at $385,000 based on comparable sales because if it's less than four units, if it's four units or lower, one to four units, they're going to use both comparable sales. They'll run it both ways. Comparable sales and income method. Income method, we've got a lot of income in this property. It brought, came back at, at uh, 425 and 385 based on comparable sales. So guess what, guys? I got a ton of equity in this property, right? That's pretty awesome. So what we've done is now we're going to be leveraging that equity and putting that money to work in other properties. This is what I'm talking about, folks. This is what I need you to be thinking like. Go out and focus on buying one property. And I don't care if you've got 100, go get you one more. Here's why. I'm going to go run through a deal with you uh, from a while back. And this is for one of my clients. It was a single family property. And how this, uh, this analysis came to play was they wanted to know whether they, they bought the property paid 90 grand for it. It's a single family house. It was a three bedroom, two bath. And they wanted to know if they should, it would make more sense to buy it and flip it or rent it. Now I counseled them, granted, I'm a realtor guys. So what do I get paid to do? And it's not managed property. I don't manage property. I get paid to sell houses, right? I get paid to help people buy houses. That's what I do. That's my primary thing. I don't do it much anymore because I don't need to, but I do it for people that I like and that I feel I can help, that will listen. But anyway, so for discussion purposes, I'm going to run you through this deal. Let's discover what this looks like. So for discussion purposes, we're talking about a 3-2, three three-bedroom, two-bath two house in St. Petersburg, Florida, in a good neighborhood, right? Because the buyers are smart. They listened to me. I sold them a house in a good neighborhood. I'm going to do a whole analysis. I've actually done this. This is an analysis I did a while ago. You can get a copy of this free copy. You can get the PDF. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money. Cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money. I will give you a copy of this analysis because I think it will help you with this episode. Number one, it's going to help you with this episode. Understand these numbers as I read them out to you. More importantly, I'm going to 
back that up with a free email mini video course, absolutely free, on how to break down the the uh, cash flow analysis. So you're going to learn over a series of a couple videos, absolutely free, guys. Keep your money, keep your, your credit card in your wallet or in your purse, ladies, whichever. Absolutely free. You'll get a couple emails with videos that will walk you through the process of understanding this cash flow analysis so you can vet your own deals when you're done with this, okay? I'll be happy to do that for you. So the purchase price is $90,000, okay? Now that's higher than in previous years. Now today we're talking about should I buy real estate now or should I wait, okay? Should I buy real estate now or should I wait? Back when I bought my fourplex, people were telling me you shouldn't buy now. We're at the top of the market. Really? Because we've gone up $200,000 since you guys said I was at the top of the market. People told me I was an idiot for buying property back then until they had to go to work the next day and I didn't. Huh, who's the idiot now? So, and this includes family, folks. Family said it was ridiculous for us to buy this thing. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And that's why they're still punching the clock for working for a living. Sucks to be them. I digress. $90,000 house. Rehab cost is $21,500. I want to point out that the rehab cost is higher now than it was several years ago. Why? Because the market's hot. All the contractors are busy. So when the contractors are busy, what does that do to the price of construction? Oh, you want me to show up to your house? Well, that used to be 100 bucks. Now it's 500 bucks. That's just how it goes, guys. It's called supply and demand. No sense in crying and complaining and bitching about it. Just deal with it. It's the cost of doing business. I charge more as a realtor than I used to. Why? Because I'm better at it. I used to suck at it 18 years ago. Now I kick ass. I'm the best damn agent on the planet. I can out-negotiate any agent anywhere. It's not even fair that I have to play with other agents. I can smoke them like a cheap cigar. That's why people want to work with me. That's why they want to buy real estate through me. So I command a higher fee than your average ordinary agent that goes, oh, look at the pretty curtains. No, sorry, not doing it. If you're worth more, folks, charge more. Same goes to you landlords out there. Market rent in this case is uh, $1,325. Okay, $1,325 is market rent. So we're buying with a standard conventional mortgage. Okay, nothing fancy. 70% uh, loan to value. So they that means they're putting 30% cash down. Okay, because... But we're not going to do anything fancy today. We're going to go with as vanilla and boring as we can possibly be. So 70% is what the bank is bringing to the table in the form of a mortgage. And the buyer is bringing in 30% down, cash money. Okay. This is a fully amortized mortgage over 30 years at 5% interest. Because back then that was market rate, 5%. So when we did this deal at $1,325 a month in rent, all things factored in all the expenses, the whole nine yards, the debt coverage ratio, folks, came out to 2.05. That means there was twice as much rent coming in as what we needed, what this, the owner needs to cover the mortgage. That is a great place to be because here's the thing. Had this been a commercial property or an apartment building, most commercial lenders, the banks and whatnot, are only looking for a debt coverage ratio down as low as 1.25%. That means, folks, this deal has got lots of money in it. It's a very profitable deal. That's one good metric right there, debt coverage ratio. I'm going to cover that in that free video series that I've told you about. In that little course, I'll go more in-depth into debt coverage ratio to help you guys explain that. 
uh, out-of-pocket expenses. By the way, the the email course, I probably won't have it ready by the time we air because this I'm recording this today is September 18th, and uh, I probably won't have a chance to finish it before we air this episode on Friday, but I will have it done here in the next week or two, and you will start getting those emails. Go from there. Anyway, so debt coverage ratio 2.05, out-of-pocket expenses on this deal, the rehab, the down payment and the closing costs, the seller or the investor put in $50,000, $50,300 to be exact, right? And based on my calculations, I'm using an appreciation rate of 5%, which means, and that's conservative. I mean, we all know my property has appreciated 200 or 100% in two years, so 50% a year, but that's because I forced the appreciation. Topic for another conversation. But the appreciation rate, I'm going to be conservative because that's how I roll. Conservative of 5%. So 5% appreciation is what I'm going to assume over the following five years. Keep in mind, this deal was done, I think, last year or the day, year before, two years ago. Well, guess what? The assumptions were a little better because properties have, have appreciated a lot more than 5% over the last two years anyway. Who knows how it's going to shake out in the next coming years. This assumes a 10% vacancy rate assumes property management expenses at 15%, okay? So I want to run through you with you guys where we are as far as the metrics of the returns. The operating expense ratio, folks, that is how much money, what ratio of the income is sucked up by operating expenses. In this case, it's 41.8%, okay? That means 41% of the gross revenue coming in from the rents goes to expenses. That's not bad. That's not bad. Now, in the, off the top of my head, but I'm looking at a deal for simplicity because I'm not that smart. I will just use 50% when I'm guessing. If I have to guess to do a quick analysis, I'll use 50% because it's easy math, guys, because I can divide by two. 41% requires me to break out a calculator. Ask Jill, the one. And a lot of times she's not with me when I'm out in the field talking to sellers and doing deals. So that said, we talked about the assumptions of 5% appreciation rate, 10% vacancy. We've allowed for inflation and uh, whatnot. So here we are. I want to run through with you what this deal actually looks like. Now, we've allowed for insurance, and I, and I want to be perfectly clear here. We've allowed for rehab of $21,500. we have allowed for buying costs of $18,000 or $1,800, right, for the buyer. We've allowed for vacancy loss, <clears throat> because that's important. We've allowed for cleaning and maintenance. Cleaning and maintenance is 10% of the income. You will see this on the cash flow analysis sheet I'll send you. We've allowed for management fees at 15%. Like I said, we've allowed for taxes, which in this case were 1,244 when this deal was done. So the operating expenses are 42%, right? 42%. Now, NOI stands for, you hear this a lot, you go to the RIA meetings, NOI which is really a BS number, it means nothing. It is the net operating income. I'm going to tell you why it means nothing. Net operating income. I know some of you are thinking, does it mean nothing, man? Yes, it does. It means nothing because it's not a true net number. And, and ladies and gentlemen, let me digress for just a second. Don't get caught up in working at non-numbers that you can't spend the result of those numbers. In other words, working off of gross numbers means nothing. Work off of net. Work off of net. Okay, be smart work off of net. That's the only numbers that matter to me is net because I can't spend gross. 
I can only, I can't pay my bills with gross. I can only pay my bills with net, that which is left over after expenses. So remember, we got of the gross rent, we got $13.25 coming in gross rent. We're going to take $132 off for vacancy loss. That leaves us with an operating income of $1,192. Okay, and this is a three-bedroom, two-bath house. We've got cleaning and maintenance of $119. We've got insurance of $96. We've got management fees of $179. We've got taxes at $104. So our total operating expenses, also known as OPEX, our total operating expenses are $498. That means our net operating income, income after expenses, is what that means, equals $695. But wait, there's more. If you act now, there are mortgage payments that you have to make. Yes, you gotta pay the mortgage. And wait a minute, people are like, no, no, Tyler, I'm not gonna pay the mortgage because I'm so smart, I'm gonna pay cash for my real estate. No, you're not that smart because what you left out is lost opportunity cost because that money is now tied up in a piece of real estate. So it's can't earn. See, when you're using banks or seller finance properties, you're leveraging other people's money, whether it be the bank's money or the seller's money. Or if you're using private money to do the deal, you're leveraging other people's money so you don't have to tie up yours. Because here's the deal, if you've got $100,000 to work with, and in this perfect example, you buy the house for 90, that's great, you got the house, but you don't have any money to rehab it, do you? Next thing you know, you'll be applying for the Home Depot credit card, and they'll tell you, hey, don't worry, for 12 months, there's no interest. Yeah, the problem is it's gonna take you 14 to do the job. So you're gonna pay the interest all the way back to day one. So you're gonna have mortgage payments, whether it be actual mortgage payments or the cost of lost opportunity. How much money could your property, how much money could your property, your, your money be earning doing something else? I'm gonna do an episode on opportunity costs with a friend of mine. He wrote a book on the subject here uh, that we're gonna talk about coming up. So you listen for Todd, and, and we will have Todd on probably in a few weeks. We're waiting for his new book to get released on Amazon. As soon as it gets released on Amazon, I will bring him on the show. We're going to talk about the book. I want to read the book first, make sure it doesn't suck. Because, you know, it could suck. Who knows? He's a smart kid. But his book may be horrendous. And you guys know me. I check people out before they come on the show. He is a great guy, but his book might suck. So before I bring him on the show to talk about his book, I'm going to read it. And then when I'm done reading it, if I think it's cool or it's, it's applicable here, or you can learn something, then I will bring him on the show. We will talk about it. Otherwise, I might just bring him on the show to talk about everything else but his book. But that's that. Because he also does some other great stuff, too. Helps people out. So net operating in income of six ninety five, folks. We've got mortgage payments of $338. That leaves us with a cash flow net spendable cash flow of $356 every single month. $356 every month. Remember, we've got all of our expenses already taken out. We've got our mortgage payments taken out. That's our clear profit in our pockets. Okay. So that equates to every year $4,276. And people are thinking, wait a minute. I got to part with 50 grand and all I get back is 4,200. Now, when I hear that, I want to slap people's wrist. Because when you invest in the stock market, hot shot, that 4276 isn't flowing back into your pocket. Wall Street's got you convinced 
that the right thing to do is to reinvest your dividends. So you reinvest your dividends, and here's how that works. When you make the money, you should hear a cha-ching in the stock market, but the cha-ching you hear is the stockbroker nailing your wins. Like Vegas, the house always wins. So the stockbroker takes his piece, the brokerage house gets their piece, everybody gets paid, whatever's left over, they reinvest for you. How convenient. And then what do they do? You guessed it. They charge you a commission to reinvest the money left over after they've charged you commission to make you the money. That's kind of cool at where, how that works. I should be a stockbroker. It'd be awesome. I do like the stockbroker movies. But so in Wall Street, you're busting your hump. You don't actually, you're never going to see that 4276. Wall Street's not going to let you see it. They might let you see some of it at retirement. And whatever's left over, the IRS is going to tax you for some of it. So let's be realistic, guys. 4276 as a property owner goes in your pocket, in your wallet. You can do whatever you want with that money. Here's what I did with some of my money last year. We allowed for vacancy loss of 15% on this little gem that I call Lemon Street Paradise here in Tarpon Springs, one of our properties. It's just one of our properties, folks. I had enough money set aside in vacancy loss that I was able to take my wife on a week-long vacation to Belize, including round-trip airfare, a hotel resort stay for one night on the night before we came home, and we private chartered a sailing yacht, sailboat, with a private captain. You guys probably heard that episode a couple couple weeks ago. That came out of what paid for that, ladies and gentlemen, was my vacancy loss money that I had set aside because guess what? I didn't have any vacancy loss. And some of you are thinking, well, cool, that I'm just going to leave it off my analysis. Don't be an idiot. Put it on there anyway. And if you are lucky enough to not have vacancy loss because it is, there's talent has something to do with it, yes. But realistically, it comes down to luck, okay? Lucky that one tenant moved out. I was able to secure another tenant to move in on the same day the other guy moved out. Great. So I had no lost revenue. All that money went in my pocket. Beautiful. Off to Belize on a property searching mission we went, which becomes a business trip in part and therefore a tax-deductible event. How about that? Ooh, that rocks. Real estate. It's killer. Anyway, buy and hold projection, folks. Let's get into what it all sums up to before we wrap this episode up here. So reaching back, our out-of-pocket expenses, we invested $50,000. If you don't have $50,000, I got plenty of episodes to teach you how to get $50,000. And every one of them ends with get off your lazy butt and get to work because getting 50 grand is not rocket science. It's not hard. I know lots of dumb people that can get 50 grand without stealing it real easy. How do I know this? Because I are one. That's how. So the metrics of the returns are as follows. Year one, cash on cash return, folks, based on this deal alone, 8.5% cash on cash. Well, I could do better than Wall Street. Prove it. No, you can't. Quit lying to yourself and to me. Year five, 10.6% cash on cash return. People think, what are the, what's the cap rate? I don't care what the cap rate is. You know why? Because cap rate is bullshit. Pardon my French, but it's bullshit. You can't spend cap rate like you can't spend gross. That's how it works. Year five, cash on cash return. That's how much money 
actual dollars in percentage points that you make off of your money. That's what a cash on cash return is. And that's why I use it because it's a real number, not manufactured. And cash on cash return, ladies and gentlemen, is based on net. After all the bills and all the debt service and all the repairs and everything is covered and allowed for, cash on cash return is a net number. That way, Uncle Tyler can spend it, right? Perfect. So in year 10, so if you hold this property for 10 years, just on the income alone, now we're only talking about the return on the income alone is 13.6%. If you don't sell it, you're making 13.6% on your money, on your original 50 grand that year. Remember guys, this is cumulative. So think about this over the course of several years. This just adds up. In the first year, you're making eight and a half percent. In the second year, you're making, I don't have the, you, you can look at the sheet and find out, but in the second year, you're making nine percent. And then the third year, you're making 9.5. And in the fifth year, you're making 10.6, and it just keeps going up. Here's how it sums up, folks. If you sold the property in five years, you could have a 45% return off the sale plus the returns off the cash flow. That's plus the returns. In 10 years, you could have a 178% return. Folks, that breaks out to an $89,755 profit. You're making 90 grand profit off of a $90,000 house that you only have $50,000 invested in. Come on, folks. That's easy math. Is that not enough, really? Is that really not enough money? Of course it's enough money. Good Lord. Let's get you going in the right direction. Cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money. Mailbox money. That's going to get you the breakdown that we're talking about in this episode, number one. Okay. I've broken it all down for you real simple. PDF. Absolutely free. Put in your email address, phone number, first and last name, and off you go. It'll also enroll you in my free, absolutely free, email course. It's going to be short. That's going to break all this down in video form. I'm going to sit down and do a screen share. I'm going to record a couple videos. And I'm going to drip them out to you on email to help you guys grasp how these numbers came to pass so you fully understand it. Now, we did a survey a while back, and a lot of you said that you one of the things that you were concerned about is you didn't know you were unclear on what the difference between a good deal, bad deal, or an indifferent deal, and how to help, how to break down a deal. That's part of the reason I'm doing this. I want to provide that to you absolutely free of charge. So, but you got to opt in and do it. Yep. Cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money. It will be in the show notes here on iTunes. And folks, I hate asking for reviews. I really do because I'm kind of a humble guy, believe it or not, even though I'm a cocky bastard. But I need some reviews because they tell me my reviews are no good. And I've tried to get you some good guests, some really good guests. And I've got great guests, but I want to get you more. And some of the people I've asked for, they don't, we don't, they don't see a lot of reviews on, the, on iTunes. So they get all beside themselves and you don't have enough reviews. I'm like, well, for God's sake, because I don't have, I don't like to have to beg people for them. But if you would leave me some positive reviews, five star reviews or whatever, I would really appreciate it. Go on iTunes if you're an Apple person and leave reviews. If you're on Google Play, please leave reviews. 
I would really, really appreciate it if you would leave reviews. That helps me attract better guests for you. I've had great guests so far, very good people that didn't beat me up on my reviews. Some of the big names that will remain nameless want to see lots of reviews. And I can bring these people on the show, but understand that I'm going to peel back the onion. I'm not going to let them uh, come on here and spew their BS. They're going to give us facts. They're going to provide value. That's why they're coming on the show is to give you and I some value. So I hope you found this episode helpful. Again, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money. Let's get started. Let's get some deals, people. Money's cheap. Doesn't matter whether you buy today, tomorrow, or 10 years from now. It all comes down to the math, and that is the answer to today's question. Should I buy real estate now or wait until what? No, you buy it now. When the math makes sense, you do the deal. Pull the trigger. Click, click, boom. Have a great week, folks. Catch you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.